Episode 160, Three Songs Podcast, May That's the 5th, one. Cinco de Mayo, 2021. Yeah, Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> Happy Cinco it's de Mayo. It's a bar holiday. Yeah, it is a bar holiday. Um, how you doing, Bob Nostanovich? Well, I've, I've set up my bar. Yeah? And uh, yeah, everything everything's good. That's yeah. good. That's good. Sitting I'm... outside, yeah. Ready uh, your some tunage? Uh, yeah, we got and, uh, we got some good stuff tonight. I, uh, I hope so, Mike. You know, um, I'm I'm excited about the stuff that I'm playing. I know a little bit of what you're playing, but not a ton. So I'm excited to hear it. I know actually, I oh, know cool. one, well, one artist fairly well, and the other two only in passing. So, well. You'll clue us in on on the answers to those questions throughout the course of the show, <laughs> um, or whatever it is. I think you made your own question there. Yeah, I did. Um, I'm gonna. I'll kick the show off tonight with a um, woman mostly known in Northern California, although she was born and still still going well, as far as I know, in Brooklyn in 1935. Sugar Pie DeSanto, who was one hell of a dancer, and I guess. Really well known for being a live live performer supreme, and um, she had a huge hit in 1960, nearly chart topping, I guess, which was a monstrous thing at the time. I think it was like number four on the Billboard charts called "I Want to Know," and um, she was married. Her first her first husband was a guy named Pee Wee Kingsley who recorded and produced her music. And um, then in 1964, her second biggest single, which I'm going to play on the show, was a a, show, a song about, um, called Slip In Mules, Slip In Mules, No High Heel Sneakers. It's an answer song to the 1963 song by Tommy Tucker. Are you familiar with that song called High Hill Sneakers? Uh, I am, yes. Slipping Mules. Yeah. Oh, so, th- this is great. So um, I, I, one of the things I was thinking about doing at some point was an answer song-themed show. Yeah, this is an answer song. So this is her answer. I love that. Which is a class. And, and I don't want anybody to think that, like, you know, I know a few shows ago I played the great song by Kirsty McCall called in these shoes. Like I don't have a foot fetish. Do you? <laughs> no, I don't. And I'm not a shoe guy. I mean, like I imagine you're the kind of guy that has like work shoes and a couple pairs of, you know, you, you probably have yeah. like what, four or five pairs of shoes. Uh, I have a few more than that, but yeah, I mean, I, I actually do have quite a few pairs of shoes, but I wouldn't call myself a, like a, a shoe. You're no Melda Marcos. I'm You're no Melda Marcos. I'm not a sneakerhead, although I do understand and 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 have seen a little bit of that world. There you go. Anyways, Northern California legend, um, Sugar Pie DeSanto. This is Slippin' Mules. Her answer to Tommy Tucker's 
high heel sneakers. This is Slipping Mule's no high heel sneakers. <laughs> Baby, my red dress in the cleaner, but my shift will steal the show. Baby, my red dress in the cleaner's child, but my shift will steal the show. Yes, it's fitting, child, it's fitting. And it ain't the back that's cut too low Can't wear my high heel sneakers Cause they hurt my toes so bad Can't wear my high heel sneakers Too. It's like um, discovered by Johnny Otis. Johnny Otis mentioned him a yeah. few times on the show. Father yeah, toured, of toured with toured with the Johnny Otis uh, review, and also toured with James Brown. Wow! And uh, just a proper ass kicker. Yeah. And uh, yeah, sadly, her her second husband, who she was married to for nearly three decades, Jesse Earl Davis. Um died when trying to save their apartment and uh, with a trying to extinguish a fire. Um, but, uh, not much is like, you know, heard from sugar pie to Santo anymore. She shut down her career. And, um, as far as we know, hopefully she's doing well in Northern California, but I just love that song. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's one of your artists that I don't know too well. I'm, Vaguely I only familiar. know six songs. Yeah, um, but uh, it makes me wonder why I haven't ever 
uh, delved any deeper because that was a cool one. And I, I do. Well, love... it's just like you know, it's like it's a bunch of singles, you know, like yeah. um, you know, because okay. that's what it was all about. That's totally okay. You know? And I do love the the idea of an answer song theme show because I have a few that I've kind of even been keeping as a collection. Mm. Like, uh, you know, that song you talk too much. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a there's an answer song called "I Don't Talk Too Much," and then there's yeah, uh, you know, there's um, uh. I'll bring it home to you by Carla Thomas. Her, you know, her kind of her answer to "Bring It On Home to Me" by Sam. Well, don't Cook. give it all away. I won't. You know, I won't. Yeah, I just, I'll show. just tell you. I've been thinking. Um, you know, there's there's an answer song to Mr. Big Stuff. <laughs> oh, is there? I didn't know that. Yeah, Mr. Little Stuff. No, it's like I'm I'm too much for Mr. Big Stuff. <laughs> it's like oh wow, goodness yeah. me, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. I think uh, I think it'll be fun. We'll 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 try that at at some point. But before we do that, I mean, I know. So we're on episode one hundred and sixty. We may have a special guest next week. I don't want to give it away. Um, it's been a while since we've had a guest, but we've also been talking a little bit about revisiting some older um, artists that we've played on previous episodes. So um, that will you know there'll be there'll be time for answer songs too, probably. Yeah, episode 193 or something. Five episodes, yeah, ten episodes. But uh, anyway, I'm going to go... Keep in mind, I just blew mine. i got to come up with three. <laughs> yeah. Three answer songs? Um, yeah, yeah. You, you don't have to. I can just, it, can just, it can be my theme. Um, okay, that'd be fine. <laughs> Thank I, you. I'm going to go to the late 80s um, to Coventry. Damn right you are, yeah, Coventry. A little um, British indie pop uh, who, I guess they were originally indie pop, but um, I first heard them when they got signed to RCA and put out a couple big singles, uh, most notably the one that I knew was a song called Crash. I'm talking about... Huge song. Yeah, the Primitives. Incredibly catchy um, you know, when you think about like an alternative radio smash that was kind of a crossover to, you know, top 40 radio, um, they had a few. I'm going to play a song that's maybe slightly ne- lesser known from that same era. It was one of the singles that they released. They released a whole bunch of singles in the late 80s. And their first album, Lovely, came out in 88. This song that I'm going to play came out the same year. It's called Way Behind Me. Uh, in some versions of their first album, Lovely, like in certain versions of the American release, this song appears. Um, but then they, they put it on for, for good in most of the releases on their second album, Pure. Um, yeah, so Way Behind Me by The Primitives, some catchy indie pop. Enjoy. Bring it on. <laughs> Took my hand and led me blindly I'm gonna 
little song and i like the, the finger snaps yeah i mean they can't miss there <laughs> i'm a sucker for hand claps and finger snaps well those are two things that you can do right <laughs> that's true that's maybe can why. you snap your fingers i can yeah <laughs> well done yeah <laughs> i'm not sure i could snap fingers to a beat but maybe I could, sure you could i Come could snap on them once and then and then through the magic of technology we could make it a beat you're say you're gonna sample your snap. Yeah, it'd be easier. It'd be easier than me to try and snap on the beat. Yeah, the primitives I always associated with um, two bands. Yeah, I think they were and like keep in mind there was a lot of music like that going on in the heyday of mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. late '80s, like totally. NME, Melody Maker, like yep. you know playing festival, you know riding the wave of yep, Jesus Mary Chain, Primal Scream, but like. They were always to me like very reminiscent of the Darling Buds. Sure. I couldn't tell the bands apart. Sure. Yeah. And um, the Soup Dragons are actually a really good band. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just like that was just like to me the way British pop music sounded in the late '80s. I think totally. like in the case of the Primitives, um, they gained they gained a lot of notoriety. Mainly from Morrissey, maybe having a crush on the lead singer. Oh, int- I did not know this. Tracy Spencer. Yeah, Tracy. Tracy, and like, um, he would always wear a primitive T-shirt. He's mm-hmm. like frequently photographed in a primitive mm-hmm. t- primitive T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they weren't good in their own right, right. Um, but it's nice to have a you know there push from. I was going to say they're a band that I kind of didn't give a fair shake the first time around because I sort of, like you were implying, and, you know, late 80s, I was much more into punk 
and I gave them, I kind of just tossed them off as just this light, uh, you know, sound alike, uh, you know, mainstream, but I've come back to them recently and come back to a lot of those bands that you've mentioned. And there's a lot of really good songwriting there. There's a lot of really interesting stuff going on. And I think at the time as a stupid teenager, uh, I was maybe a little unfair. So that's partly why. No, if you were in a club like, you know, the Lead Mill, the Lead Mill in Sheffield or the Old Trout in Windsor or the Adelphian Hall, which I mention all the time. If you were in like, if you were in England and you got your copy of the enemy and like you happened to be in town when they were, you know, playing in a small club, I'm sure they were outstanding. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. And they, they probably would have played. I'm sure they would have played Maxwell's. Sure. And Hoboken, you know, yeah. Um, just, you know, really, really good band. And um, I haven't thought of them in a while. Yeah, I kind of lumped them in with bands like the Sundays. Remember the Sundays? You know, another really uh, good pop band that wrote some really catchy songs. The Laws, another another one who had a, obviously a huge, huge hit in There She Goes. Um but yeah, that was it was all kind of at the same time, and a lot of the people that I knew at the college radio station I was at that they were all into that kind of British late eighties British invasion post post Smiths uh, indie pop I guess I would call it yeah right before they went in like full shoegaze like mm-hmm. yeah you that, know with yeah that that era pre. Post Smiths pre My Bloody Valentine. Ride and Swerve Driver right. came just after it. Right. Like, um, obviously, My Bloody Valentine. Um, it was interesting the way the way it worked there because it was such a big deal to have your seven inch reviewed by the enemy or like have a picture or like a gig review in the enemy or the, or the Melody Maker. Yeah. And the Primitives, like, were one of those bands that, like, you know, that was they were they were there so um you know who knows what's become of them now but they they reformed and released a couple i haven't heard them but they released an album in in 2012 and another in 2014 uh i i don't know if they're still an active uh concern um actually they did a looks like they have a release from 2019 called um the lovely 30th anniversary japan tour so they're they're maybe still playing performing touring perhaps um well it's interesting like i've mentioned it on the show before like bands like that um are superstars in japan yeah so if they like i think i've told you before like the pastels like they performed as a tour of japan wow you know, yeah. I mean, if you're big in Japan, like it's not a bad way to go about things. Like, keep doing your thing, keep putting out records, and like play local gigs, and then go tour Japan for like ten days a year, and like, you know, it's a good way to like pay the bills. Yeah, why <laughs> I not? Mean, why not? Yeah, you know, yeah, survive. I mean, no problem with it at all. Yeah. Pastel's brilliant band for, for sure. Um, anyways, I'll 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 go sort of currentish. This band like actually just put out an. E- in 2020 um i don't think we've ever we don't really spend that much time in the south of france Mm -hmm. just to a place where 
as far as I know, if I'd been there, it only would have been to a gas station or passing through. It's um, it's on the Mediterranean coast, very close to Spain and in, in, in southern France, called uh, Perpignan, um, P-E-R-P-I-G-N-A-N. And um, these, uh, I think this might be a married couple. I can't, like, I don't know if they're like the white stripes and they sort of shroud this mystery, but, like, I'm going to play the Limignanas, um, L-I-M-I-N with a tilde above it, A-N-A-S. Um, Lionel and Marie are the two, the Lionel and Marie Limignanas are the, are the oh, two main members. And I understand when they play live, they invite other people on stage. But, but I think when they record in the main, it's just um, the two of them. And interesting, Lionel plays guitar and organ and Marie sings and plays drums. And uh, I'm going to play a song off their 2013 record called Costa Bianca. And it's called Cold Was the Ground.
Yeah, thank you. They're a band, so Is they're it? another band I don't know that well, but I've heard of. Um, yeah, they've made a couple albums, and, and um, that 2020 EP is really cool. And um, they just—they're on that uh, Chicago label. It's pretty small. It's run by a married couple mm-hmm. called Trouble in Mind. Yeah, it's a great label. That's why I've heard yeah. of them. Yeah, I love—I love just about everything I've heard on that label. Yeah, and um, I just think there's—I I dig. You know, it's one of those songs like a lot of songs that you listen to that just you kind of walk around the grocery store it gets in your head sort of mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. It's a, it's and, a... and you find yourself singing along to somebody you can sing <laughs> under your you know, that's another great thing about the mask like um <laughs> the anti-mask thing like always really blows my, my mind because i see absolutely no disadvantages to wearing a mask at any time a it covers up my ugly face Six months a year in this climate, it keeps my face slightly warmer. Um, people can can't really read your expressions, which is good. Um, I just, you know, and also if you're singing along to the Limonianas in the grocery store because it's stuck in your head, like nobody's going to hear it. <laughs> I and I will add, um, especially living in the Northwest, it keep it helps keep the pollen out of your nose. And... Oh my, my God, that's a huge deal for me. Like yeah. it's pollen season here. Like I, um, I cut my grass. You know, the only time I've ever worn a mask before COVID was when I cut the grass, and it sort of helped with that. And um, I was doing something recently, and I put I put my mask on. I mean, like it's just like it's it's just reintroduced the beauty of the mask. And, <laughs> and in fact. I'm not taking the mask off anytime soon. I, w- I would say the other advantage of the mask is bugs. I had I had a bug fly what was like nearly into my nose, and I kind of instinctively like went to like swat it away and like oh god, and then I realized I have a mask on. Yeah, no worries. It's not gonna fly into my nose. So the only negative of the mask is like when you work in an office space and you wear glasses. I still haven't. Yeah. Somebody can maybe recommend rec- recommend this to me. Um, you don't wear glasses or contacts. You have good vision, right? I, I generally do, or I have had good vision. But I think working on a computer almost all day, every day, I think has has led to a little bit of a decline in my vision. So, well, that and also you work, you know, predominantly from home, so like yes. you don't have to worry about the sort of thing so you you basically work maskless anyways but like i do i have to work in an office space and i've been wearing glasses for 10 years and like i'm looking for the mask that like somehow and i've got like a bunch of different ones like everybody else and including the cheap paper ones that somehow keep your so if somebody can recommend that to me like a mask that keeps your glasses because i don't believe in the product i've tried the products that the D steamer for your, for your glasses mm, mm-hmm. doesn't work. That's is that a word? D steamer. <laughs> um, um, I don't even know. Sure. We'll no, no, like yes. so you have to if you're on a, if you're in an office with other people, then you have no choice either to take your glasses off, which makes it difficult to read the screen, or to pull it below your nose. You know, and then when somebody comes around, you pull it up, sort of thing. 
So, you know, whatever. And enough about that, but the Lemonianas, I love that band. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Check out their 2020 EP. I don't have the name in front of me right now. I can okay. pull it up, but it's I'll, cool. I'll, I'll, I will. I, I really like the vibe to it. It was, like, kind of laid back, but had a little bit of, like, like it was leaning forward into the beat, which I liked. Yeah, and like I mean, that's like you know they've got they do have a wide variety of their tunes, mm-hmm. and a lot of it's like you know pretty poppy. I just, I particularly dig the groove on that one, um, but yeah, no, there's like there's a big sound to a lot of it. You know, um, there isn't too much rap. It's mostly like groovy and poppy. Cool. You know, so we like you know. Well, and like I nice said, leading. I haven't heard anything on that Trouble in Mind label that I didn't like, so. That's a that's apparently they have, they have impeccable taste. They do, they do. Uh, the Rose, the Rose in in Chicago. The Rose, okay. Yeah, yeah, R O E. Yeah, that's her last name. It's a, I think it's his married couple that runs. That's up. right. Yeah, I think you're. Absolutely. I've never met him, you know. No, nor have I, but um, I like their taste. Uh, all right, I'm gonna go. Maybe we'll get them both on the show next 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 Wednesday. <laughs> Unlikely, but you never know. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go down to Australia. Uh, I believe uh, this is a Sydney band. And I'm kind of surprised we didn't play this band prior to episode 160. um, Because they're a kind of a seminal punk band, certainly in Australia. But even... Well, 70s. Like, they were were 70s punk in New South Wales. 70s punk in, in... Yeah. And one of the first punk rock bands in the world... Uh, they released their first EP in 1976. Talking, do they like how how great is it to have a a guy in your band called Dennis Tech? Dennis Tech, yeah. uh, 1977 first LP, Radios Appear. I'm talking about Radio Birdman. Uh, of course, heavily influenced. Dennis Tech was born in Ann Arbor, grew up in. In near Detroit was hugely influenced by MC5 in the Stooges. Moved, and it shows. Yeah, it does. And moved to uh, Australia in the early 70s and, you know, hooked up with Rob Younger and um, some of the rest of the crew. And they formed Radio Birdman. Uh, and then Dennis Tech, he became a doctor. He became a, a Marine. He put out a bunch of solo records, um, and they've actually reissued. Uh, I think an Italian label has recently reissued a lot of his late '80s, early '90s solo records, which at the time were never released. They were in that era of CD only, so they never actually saw a vinyl release. Those have come out on vinyl recently, which is kind of cool. Uh, but we'll go back. We'll go back to '77. Radio Birdman, I mean, very, you know, Ramones influenced, Stooges influenced. Tough choice. I'll be interested in your choice. Uh, I think I'm going to go with, uh, partly because after Radio Birdman split, Dennis Tech was in a number of different bands, one of which was called New Race, named after this song, uh, which appears on Radio's Appear, their first album. So here you go, New Race. Thank you. 
Yeah, some dual guitar fury there. Yeah, I've been very much like bringing like the Detroit MC5, you know, and you know the Stooges to, mm-hmm. to Australia, and like mm-hmm. the guy's story is amazing. Like, obviously, he's an incredibly precocious student because um, he. The reason he went to Australia, as, as far as I can tell, on his own, was like study medicine. Yeah. In yeah. at the age of like twenty or something. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like you think of like that, like in the early seventies. That's I don't know what I don't, don't know anything about his connection. Like why Australia then? You know. Right. I think he was I mean, just interested move. in the culture, and for whatever reason was drawn to it. So I think he, he visited in when he was a teen with his family and then wanted to go back there and study. Oh, okay, okay. So so yeah, so you know you know of a visit like yeah. when he was a teen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In the in the late sixties. That's just pretty far out to like have a family vacation in Australia back then as far as I can tell. Like sure. now it would make more sense, you sure. know, like Well and you know, like, I mean you think about like I guess you know, a 20 year old just saying I'm moving halfway across the world from Ann Arbor to Sydney. Yeah. You know, doesn't happen very often. I'm study medicine. See you guys. Um, I'm going to say it doesn't happen. Like, you know, then subsequently when you hooked up with younger, they introduced like a genre to Australia that was completely unknown. And like, yeah. no one would let them play. Right. And so they had to go, pure on like DIY and like Mm -hmm. create their own venues. Mm -hmm. And so basically it was like, you know, an Australian house party punk band that like introduced like that kind of like that kind of punk. Right. You know, that kind of like hard rock punk to Australia. Pave the way for the saints, pave the way for the scientists, pave the way for, I mean, basically, basically like, I mean, you always think of Australian bands as, like, being, like, influenced by things from the UK or, you know, Europe or certainly this country. Like, but this guy is, like, from the U.S., he, like, he came to them. You know, mm-hmm. as opposed to them just, like, mm-hmm. going to Ogogo and Records and, like, buying punk rock 7 Inches. Right. He, he truly imported the music into, you know, <laughs> just through himself. Um Another thing I love about another thing I love about Radio Birdman is like um, how they got their their band name. Uh, tell me, because I always figured it was just kind of a play on um, you know that Stooges line from 19- yeah, well, yeah, but they they and I know you've done this. You guarantee with my poor hearing, even when I was young, um, even when I could hear. Um, <laughs> I would he I would mishear lyrics. Yeah. Or I would listen to songs and I would just like think for years in some cases that like a favorite song of mine, like the lyrics were this. Right. And Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah, and like then when I actually like found out what the real lyrics were, I I would be like to my own self I'd be like, Mine are better. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> I mean it was like or or I I'm I'm just gonna keep it I'm gonna keep my own set of lyrics for that because like I just that's the way I know the song. Right. So, Radio Birdman is like from that from 1970, right? The, the Stooges song. classic. Yeah, they thought it. They thought Radio Burnin was Radio Birdman. Interesting. Yeah, I I guess maybe I always have heard it as Radio Birdman. Uh, Radio Birdman coming down. Right. 
Is that what this? Yeah, but it's it's radio burning coming down. Radio burning coming down. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I I'm with you. I like the. Uh, you probably thought it was always radio Birdman coming down because I, you're aware of radio Birdman. That's true. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> have you heard any of the Dennis Tech solo stuff? No. no. Uh, Yo, play us one. Play us one. Okay. Yeah, uh, you, have if, one. you want me to? Okay, I'll play one from. This is one that just got reissued. On a label uh, in Italy called Wild Honey. From the is he ne- not active now? Like, is he just like sticking uh, with his like? Um... I think he's a- he actually put out something in 2020, a collaboration with James Williamson, of course. Yeah, one of those. Of the Stooges. Be cool to, even I, if you haven't heard it, it'd be cool to pick I one of those. Just pick one of those. Don't have one of those handy. Okay. okay. Uh, why don't I? I mean, we can if you want. <sighs> It's funny because I was thinking about playing Dreadful in the Den tonight on the show, which is, you know, obviously a different scene, but like, mm-hmm. and not much younger than Dennis Tech, but like still going strong. And like, I was going to play like a really cool collaboration. Well, I'll do it in the future show. Yeah, let's do it but in yeah, the future. Play, um, play like the most currentish Dennis Tech ooh, you can play. So you're. Or whatever. I'm now whatever we now we have we to. Well, I I was ready to play this. No, no, play the one you want to play. You know, okay. Gonna, you know. Well, I can play. Um, hmm. I haven't heard it. Let's play Jetpack Nightmare. This is his collaboration with James Williamson. Of course, yeah, 2020, of the, right? Of the Stooges. Yeah. Uh, on the album called Two to One. Um, this will be new for both of us. Yeah. Go, 
That's pretty wow, rocking. amazing. Yeah. I can't say that like he didn't um, stick to his guns. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's doing in 2020. It's amazing update of his sound. It's it kind of sounded to me like a, you know, have you ever flipped through like you know been bored and, like flipped through a copy of Guitar Player magazine? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that sounded like an Ibanez, I think like an Ibanez guitar ad like come to life. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was just like, like you know, like it just sounded like it was so like music shoppy. Pretty, pretty, like, yeah, yeah, it's um, pure, but it's the it's sort of like thing, very corny in a way. Yeah, it it it, it is, but it's you know, I, I would imagine that would be pretty cool live. Uh, Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, if you were at the Iowa State Fair at the free stage and that came on, you'd be like, what the hell are these old guys doing? They kick ass. I mean, like, you'd be laughing your head off. You know? did, Give uh, me another 32-ounce, you know, paper cup of beer. The two, the two of them collaborated <laughs> on an EP in 2017 called Acoustic KO. Who's the other dude? James, James Williams. James Williamson. About him? James Williamson. Oh, yeah, he was, he was the guitarist um, in the, like, later Stooges records, like Raw Power uh, oh, okay, and Kill yeah. City, yeah, you know? know. like no, no, I'm not really cool. On, I don't, I'm just not knowledgeable in Stooges history. You know, yeah. beg my ignorance. I, yeah, uh, well, actually, sorry. Excuse my ignorance. Post-Stooges. Post I don't know if he actually played on Raw Power, um, so forgive me if I'm incorrect there. But definitely well, the, Lord knows, like, the, you know, the, the Iggy the, album the, that came out after um the stooges kill city he was a guitarist on that um so he played with iggy quite a bit in the 70s um he's been he's been around um, he did a collaboration this is interesting 2019 he did a collaboration with sherry curry of the runaways um a cover of leader of the pack and the b-side of the seven inch is their update of cherry bomb there you go. I, I, I well, we won't be playing that, that on the show tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, um, I'll sort of stay in the. Well, I'm going to play major label music. Yeah, Mike. Yeah. It's like you know that sounded like very major label to me, even though it wasn't. Yep. It's 2012. Big, there, you know, there's a time and a place for everything, big rock, including this yeah. podcast. Um, I'm going to play the. Uh, I'm going to go back to Northern California, where I started the show. Mm-hmm. Very, very much different from Sugar Pie DeSanto. I'm going to play the Disposable Heroes. That's You know, this is a tongue twister. <laughs> the Disposable Heroes of Hypocrisy. Right. Okay. Yep. And a few years ago, like 2018, I got off the plane in St. Pete, Florida. Yep. And got picked up by my dear friend, Tony Ryan Sedler. And he said, expecting to, like, you know, put my stuff down, like, go to the house and chill. He said, no, we're going to St. Pete to an outdoor concert. This guy, Michael Franti, is playing. I was like, where do I recognize that name, Michael Franti? Yep. Playing under the name Franti. So I get in this line of like a thousand people to go to this thing. And I'm like, my luggage is in like the car. And like, you know, not that many people can do this sort of thing, like get off a flight and go straight to a concert. But like, you have no... you. You have no choice when you're in Tony's hands. Okay, so <laughs> I go to this outdoor thing. There's like 3,000 people there. And this guy, Michael Franti, FR, he's a legend. Okay. Yep. Yep. And he's been at it forever. Right. And 
the guy just says this like he's got like you know a 10 piece band it's insane like he's barefooted he's running around the crowd like with what you know the technology where you don't need chords he's like playing songs hanging in trees i mean (laughs) he climbed a tree and played a song he played ballads like people are going nuts and i'm just like you know the whole time thinking like where do i place this guy like i'm not looking at my cell phone and then like i get in the car and i'm like oh that was like the main dude in disposable heroes of hypocrisy which was him and Mm -hmm. and um uh, his, his, it was a two-piece band, basically. It was a studio thing. Yep. And uh, Ron Osei was the other guy, TSE. And they were just making music. It was major label music. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, you know, unquestionably the only song I know of theirs. And it was a huge hit. It was a huge video and all this stuff. But, like, what's interesting to me, and we'll talk about it afterwards. This is off the 1992 album, Hypocrisy is, is the Greatest Luxury, and it's called Television, the Drug of a Nation. Well, on a brighter note, commercial break. The government has now banned the carrying of spears. Stop about every thousand miles ain't asking too much, is it? You might wish to uh, stay on and listen. It was a place where everything was legal. I met this woman. So if you're looking for emotional satisfaction, my advice to you is seek professional help. Thank you for joining us live on the air. My pleasure. One nation under God has turned into one nation under the influence of one drug. Television, the drug of a nation, breeding ignorance and feeding radiation on television. The drug of a nation, breeding ignorance and feeding radiation. TV, its satellite links are United States of unconsciousness. Apathetic, therapeutic, and extremely addictive. The methadone metronome, pumping out 150 channels 24 hours a day. You can flip through all of them, and still there's nothing worth watching. TV is a reason why less than 10% of our nation reads books daily. Why most people think Central America means Kansas. Socialism means un-American, and apartheid is the new headache remedy. Absorbed in this world, it's so hard to find us. It shapes our minds the most. Maybe the mother of our nation should remind us that we're sitting too close to the television, the drug of the nation, breeding ignorance and feeding radiation on television. The drug of the nation, breeding ignorance and feeding radiation. TV is a stomping ground for political candidates. Where bears in the woods are chased by Grecian forms and bald eagles. TV is mechanized politics, remote control over the masses, co-sponsored by environmentally safe gases. Watch for the PBS special. It's a perpetuation of the two-party system, where image takes precedence over wisdom, where sound by politics are served to the fast food culture. Where straight teeth in your mouth are more important than the words that come out of it. Race baiting is the way to get selected. Willie Horton or will he not get elected on television? The drug of a nation, breeding ignorance and feeding radiation on television. The drug of a nation, 
breathing egos and feeding radiation. On the screen is an address where you can mail your tithe offering or gift of love. Okay, got the idea? All right, I'll let you pass Is it the reflector or the director? Does it imitate us or do we imitate it? Because a child watches 1,500 murders before he's 12 years old. And then we wonder why we created a Jason generation that learns to laugh rather than abhor the whore. TV is a place where armchair generals and quarterbacks can experience firsthand the excitement of video warfare as the theme song is sung in the background. Sugar-sweet sitcoms that leave us with a bad actor taste, while pop stars metamorphosize into soda pop stars. You saw the video, you heard the soundtrack. Well, now go buy the soft drink. Well, the only cola that I support would be a union COLA cost of living allowance on television. The drug of the nation, breeding ignorance and feeding radiation on television. The drug of the nation, breeding ignorance and feeding radiation. again, new and improved, we return to our irregularly programmed schedule, hidden cleverly between heavy-breasted beer and car commercials. CNN, ESPN, ABC, BCB, TNT, but mostly BS. We're oxymoronic language, like virtually spotless, fresh, frozen, light, yet filling, and military intelligence have become standard. TV is a place where phrases are redefined, like recessions and necessary downturns, crude oil on a beach to moose, civilian death to collateral damages, and being killed by your own army is now called friendly fire. TV is a place where the pursuit of happiness has become the pursuit of trivia. Where toothpaste and cars have become sex objects. Where imagination is sucked out of children by a cathode ray nipple. TV is the only wet nurse that would create a cripple. Television, the drug of the nation. Breeding ignorance, feeding radiation on television. The drug of the nation. Breeding ignorance and feeding radiation on television. The drug of the nation. Breeding ignorance and feeding radiation on television. The drug of the nation. Breeding ignorance and feeding radiation. Yeah, I know that band. I know them well. Yeah. Uh, and Michael Franti later went on to a band called Spearhead. 
I don't know if you're familiar with. Them. Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah, that was that's the band he was playing with when I saw him. Okay, yeah, ah, okay, um, yeah. yeah. And, and Guy they, delivers, man. That's a good live show for sure. So you know, I saw them live a number of times because that album came out in '92. I was in the Bay Area going to school, and they would often open for a lot of bands that I would go see. And they did put on an incredible live show. I, I just def- the two of them, right? Yeah, yeah. And I definitely remember them opening for Billy Bragg. Uh, and I remember Billy Bragg coming out and playing with them, like, or them coming out and doing an encore with Billy Bragg, I should say. And yeah, that's cool. I, I remember distinctly Billy Bragg on the shoulders of one of them running around the stage probably michael franti yeah and i think they were doing um his song waiting for the great leap forward i believe this would have been like 91 um but just a wild show totally yeah wild like show. 30 years later like the relevance of that you know the relevance of a lot of the points he makes in that song of course now there's 1500 channels instead of 150 <laughs> right Right, but like, and you know, like recently you mentioned to me one of the conversations we had that you know you don't have a TV in the house, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, back then it was bubble screens, you mm-hmm. know, like, mm-hmm. um, but it's just like I think it's a I think it's that particular song which is their biggest hit. It's amazing how like a lot of the lyrics like they have actually like he the point is proven time, times ten. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, and which is pretty pretty cool like intelligent guy very talented guy i remember at the time yeah i mean like you said it was a major label it was island records yeah their debut record they did a cover of california uber alice um i remember yeah i remember them being incredibly left-wing um you know so it, it makes sense that billy bragg would want him want them to play uh, you know, open and tour with with them because politically they were very very similar. Um, incredibly, you know, like thirty years later, it's still relevant. A lot of, like you said, a lot of the points that they were making. Well, I mean, the main one of the main points is is you know socialism in America. It's like yeah, you know, it's like being branded a socialist like in politics is like you know, a nightmare. Right. You know, right. And like, I mean, basically if you watch any political ad, like he or she is a socialist and like, right. well, basically every, every, you know, and the guy, you know, socialism is socialism, you know, I mean, socialism like, is, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, you know, it, I just, you know, I, I just think it's, it's cool listening to that song and like, um, just appreciating, like, you know, his intelligence and finger on the pulse on how it stands up 30 years later. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for the... I'm happy you got to see them. Yeah. I got to see the spearhead thing and that... Look, if you're at one of these things, you know, like a festival or, you know, whether it be free or not free or whatever, and like, but don't miss that guy because he will, like, that guy performs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank you for the trip down memory lane because, yeah, they were they were great and they were. Um, I think politically they made me think them, and then you know certainly Public Enemy made me think in different ways, 
you know, because there were, let's face it, in the as a white kid in suburbia listening to punk rock, I was not that exposed to a lot of like revolutionary themes coming from black artists. And uh, I, I think, you know, certainly Disposable Heroes of Hypocrisy and definitely Public Enemy. Uh, we talked a little bit about that on the show in, in past episodes. They they kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things. So thank you. I wonder what happened to the other guy, Ron O'Say. Yeah, I, that I don't know. Uh, yeah, TSE. Yeah, I'll, we'll have to do a little research on that. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully he's alive and well. Yeah. Because um, he said he was a, obviously he was a huge part of the act. I mean, he was running, he was doing all the keyboards and sample stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. I, I, I think for some reason I'm thinking Charlie Hunter was involved. Of course, he later went on to have his own career. Um, but yeah, definitely Michael Franti is the one that I remember most. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I think he's the front man, but yeah. yeah. Anyways. All right. Yeah, I'm happy you enjoyed that. I did, Except for I sure. That. Um, well, I'm going to take us to Africa and take us to the 70s. You've uh, been visiting Nigeria lately. A little bit, now and then. Um, now, this, yeah. is, this is a band they're called the Funkies. They released two albums in, in the, the 70s. Released a number of seven inches. Uh, the their first album. I'm going to play a song from that 1974. It's called Point of No Return. Uh, they released a second album in '76 called Now I'm a Man. Uh, both of which are fantastic. And the one of the main songwriters, guitarists, singers in the band is a guy named Harry Mosco, who released a number of uh, very good solo records. Check him out as well. Um, yeah, Moscow, M-O-S-C-O. And the Funkies, you're talking about the F-U-N-K-E-W-S. Correct. F-U-N-K. Yeah, just for the fans looking it up. That's right. That's right. Um, the fans. So the fans. I'm, uh, I'm going to play a song. It's, it's, um, it's probably something that I imagine you know well in your back porch in Des Moines. This one's called Dancing in the Nude. By the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Now 
Kind of a banger. Yeah. Ending ending well, the show. Well, it's amazing, you know. <laughs> I won't be trying out for percussion in that band, but I can't blow the whistle. <laughs> the whistle. So I love My it. Lord. I love it. The whistle um, kind of makes that at the end. Uh, well, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's... Come on now. The, the ripping guitar solo at the, the end. The ripping also. guitar solo, too. Like, but, like, it, it's similar dude, to... Dude, it was like... Harry Moscow was like a Nigerian sex symbol in the 70s. He, he totally yeah. was. I mean, similar, he had a huge, huge album called Country Boy. Um, he was like Prince before Prince. 1978. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, mean, I mean, the whistle is sort of like the finger snaps in the primitive song that I was playing. It's just one of those... Things, little, you, things that you can do, Mike. Things that I can things do can and do little, little touches that stand out and... and make it memorable like i grab yourself a cowbell my name another song with whistle 
like that. Um, that's that's as rocking. Yeah, and you don't have to hit the beats. <laughs> I don't. There's no way I would. Yeah. Hit the beats. Yeah. Um, Just anyway. have fun. Just have, make make sure that you look like you're having fun, whether you are or not. That's right. That's the key. It is. Yeah. It is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the fun. Anyway, terrific show. You know, and you you often say to me, "Hey, Bob, like DJ that at your next set." That's the fun that funky song. Yeah, we will go with DJ that thing. <laughs> I guarantee, yeah. if anyone is inclined to dance at all in a DJ show, your or set that you're playing, like that is what will get them out there. You know what? And like, if they're not into it, just go to the bar and get a beer. I actually do have a live, my first live DJ mm. set coming up in um, July 10th. It is. Um, with my dear friend um, Anna Gephardt from Anna Libera, and we're DJing live outdoors at the Roz Talks in Rock Island, Illinois. Fantastic! And um, I'm gonna play that song, Mike, and I'll dedicate it to you, okay. even though there'll be no no Mike. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Do so. it. Yeah, and if they, if they don't wiggle to that, we got no chance. Then we'll <laughs> then we'll hit them. Then we'll just hit them with like, you know. Limonianus until the cows come That's home. Right. There you go. All right. Yeah. Well, so. well, thank you, Bob. Pleasant show. Loved it as always. Love you, my man. Yeah, love you too, man. We'll yeah, do talk to you soon. Again, very soon, and hopefully with with a with a fun guest. So. Yeah, that, you know, we can always you know we can always find a fun guest. That's true. That's true. We we, yeah. we have a number of we have a, we have, yeah a number of good guests lined up. So. We'll be doing this again yeah. soon. Solo. So you, you, in other words, you just don't, don't have to listen to the two of us. But that's, like, that's right. And I'll try to, I'll try to like, um, yeah, you know, keep it tight, you know, that kind of thing. So you know, I'll try not to babble on. The diversions make it fun, though. Okay. All right, there you go. Well, thanks, Mike. Have yeah. a great night. You too. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. I love you, Th- mate. Thank you, Th- everyone. Thanks for listening. Be well. <laughs>